the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. My hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the Scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com. Or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. So we will ask questions from the Bible Live lead. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. And here we are. As always, the soapster is in his place, and Jacob is missing. That's that's why I don't mention him there in the intro. You know, if you don't show up into the studio, you don't get mentioned in the intro. That's all there is to it. But he is on the phone with us from far, from a galaxy far, far away, right, Jacob? I hope he's on the phone with me right now. I'm trying, <laughs> trying to bring him up. All right, uh, Jacob, are you here with me? Let's see if I've got you on the phone or not. I don't. Well, let's, John, to come help me do that. We are glad to have you on the show with us tonight for this Memorial Weekend program. We have. Um, Got some questions here. Our readings, uh, our scheduled readings for this week, all come from the book of First Chronicles. We're reading through those two books of history, very special uh, books of history, the books of First and Second Chronicles. And I say special because they're not like Samuel and the Kings. They are. Um, this is a special selected history that that it is thought Ezra, uh, a a scribe who helped lead the people of Israel when they came back from their Babylonian exile. They had been gone 70 years, and they came back from the Babylonian exile to um, join us, uh, join us, <laughs> to join us here on the air tonight. No, to join uh, up with, with others there who are returning from the, the time of exile in Babylon to come back to Israel under um, the, a Persian king allowed them to, wrote an edict and allowed them to come back. Uh, and this, of course, was a fulfillment of God's promise that they would, he would bring them back to the land. So we have a storm here in little South Texas. We've got the lightning and, and uh, thunder. So we, uh, we, there, I think uh, we might be having some trouble with the uh, phones just because of that. I just flipped it over. Maybe we can go to, 
pick up Jacob here on the line with us. Hi, Jacob. Uh, hello, this is Jacob. I am on the line with you. It sounds like you are in a barrel with me. That, that's, you're a little bit of an echo. I don't know why. You don't have a, a, a radio there going, do you? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. Well, I, I think it's, it's bearable. We hear you well, and uh, we want to pick up those nuggets of wisdom that you always bring to us, particularly tonight as we're studying uh, the books of First and Second Chronicles. These books, they make a whole lot more sense when we understand the background, the history, the traditions, the language, and that's what Jacob brings to our table each and every Sunday evening. So thank you, friend, for doing that. You know, we've got um, thunder and lightning here in South Texas, so I don't know if that might be affecting our signal. Oh, as it's raining and lightning there? Yes, it is. Uh, are you jealous? No. No. Uh, no, no, I'll check to see. No, I'm not, no. <laughs> well, um, yeah, we're getting some much. Of course, South Texas, we never can complain about rain, I don't guess. Uh, no, no, no. Well, it's a... Say again. I think it should stay out. I think it should go away some uh, bounty. The quicker picker up out out in the parking lot, and when it gets wet, you can roll it up, take it over to West Texas, and ring it out for irrigation. Well, they need it more than we, I suppose, at this point. But no, we are enjoying a, a great spring, actually, uh, of, of a lot of moisture. The city must look beautiful from the air. If anyone were flying back into the San Antonio lately, I, I'm. I bet South Texas just absolutely looks beautiful from the area, just green and plush. Normally, I guess back in the days of the uh, drought, you'd come into South Texas and it was just burnt brown like everything else. And uh, but I, I bet it's beautiful these days. Wow, I'm, I'd like to see it. We're we're going to get out of town here pretty soon, Jacob, and we'll get a chance to see it from the air, and then that'll, that'll be beautiful, I'm sure. Yeah, I've heard you are getting out of town, yeah. I am. I'm getting out of Dodge. We're going to have a little time off. We don't do that very often, but we're going to take out in the month of June. And uh, Somebody somebody did tell me there was a train leaving at 1030 tonight. Be under it. <laughs> be under, I got it. I hear that before. I've heard that one before. Hey, listen, do you have your questions with you tonight from the book of First Chronicles? Well, let me tell you the most interesting story. Because right. as everybody knows, I got a hold of you earlier today, and I had evidently not bring my questions with me because I'm out of town. So, and you were kind enough to resend them to me. However, the computer you sent them to is not uh, compatible with what I received them on, and I have not been able to open them. But in spite of that, I went ahead and I looked over everything, and maybe if you can direct questions, I'll uh, flip to the chapters and we can talk about it. All right, we'll do just that. It's First Chronicles chapters 5 through 24, and uh, it ends up, the chapter ends up with, um, well, it doesn't end up. Uh, in the early part of the book, actually, there is a long list of uh, uh, genealogies. Of course, Ezra is reminding the people, these people who now have returned from the 70-year exile, the time of exile in in, um, in in Persia over in Babylon. And we always say returning, but I guess what we mean there is that the people of Israel are returning. But it, the individuals, the people who are actually returning, almost all of them were born in Babylon, right? Uh, that is absolutely true. 
Do we know, uh, for example, Ezra himself or some of the older ones were? Are, were there with them some who were actually had been uh, born and maybe uh, had a few years in in uh, Israel before the the uh, exile, yeah. or were they all born in? No, there were there were some. In fact, some people you uh, uh, may recognize uh, Daniel and his two buddies, Nehemiah. Remember them? But they, they all were. But they didn't return to uh, Israel. No. No, they did. They did not return, but they were born in Israel and taken to Babylon. I see. I just wonder uh, if there, if uh, you guys, <laughs> if the, the the Jewish people and their histories and so on, do they know uh, of all those people who came back? Do they know which ones were older and and perhaps were indeed returning to to Israel or to Canaan, or uh, do the, do we not know which ones? Uh, there's only a few of them that are mentioned by name, uh, so they're not all listed. Uh-huh. Uh, but, That's true. Uh, there's only a few of them that would be listed. And actually, uh, they were, as you know, they were led down the, the road past, uh, when they were taken away, past Rachel's tomb. Yeah, isn't that in the South? It is, and that's and you would think it's going the wrong way, but that was, I guess, part of what they used to call, I believe, the King's Highway. Is that the, and, so? They came down the southern end of uh, the uh, Dead Sea around Moab and came up. Is that the way they did it? That would appear to be the case. Okay, how about that? Well, that's interesting. I had always imagined them going across the uh, the crescent uh, across the top, but uh, well, yeah. And then what's interesting is, you know, even in the New Testament, the book of Matthew says they heard Rachel weeping. Yes. Well, the, the reason it's understood she's weeping, you'll actually find the entire quote in Jeremiah. But the reason she's weeping is because her tomb was there and she was watching her children be led away. Be led away into exile, yes. All right. Now, but the next line in Jeremiah explains when she stops weeping is when they start returning. Did they return by that same route? Yes, uh-huh. they must. In fact, that's one of the keys, not to digress into other things that's not relevant for tonight, perhaps, but just a surface answer. Uh, part of the duties in the book of Matthew, it begins about Jesus going down as a youth into Egypt and coming back. See, the Messiah is supposed to lead the way back up that same old past, Rachel's tomb, so that all the Israelites were there in the world can come up the same road and return. That's one of the very first requirements, prophecy, if you like, that the Messiah must do. And it's in the book of Matthew. If he hadn't done that, then we know that he could not be the guy. But the good news for the, <laughs> the Christian is that he did do that. He did do that. In fact, that's always interesting to me because it says, uh, of course, his mother and father had to flee down into Egypt when he was very a young child, two years old, when Herod was killing the children uh, to try to remove this king that uh, had been predicted and anticipated. So they had to go down into Egypt, and then, of course, they had to come back. And I, it mentions there in the text about, thus was fulfilled the prophecy out of Israel, I have called my son, or my, my son, I guess, or my children. And uh, it mentions a prophecy, and uh, maybe sometimes we read it and we go, what's that all about, out of Israel? Uh, exactly. Out of Israel. 
Yeah, all those little vignettes, in the, especially in the book of Matthew, right. are absolute, uh, as the Jews understand, requirements for the Messiah. So the first thing he must do is he must come back, lead back up a little, because Messiah uh, engages and encourages and leads the way back for all Jews to return to Israel. To Israel. Let me ask you, have you finished, uh, I know you're writing a book about the Hebrew perspective, a Jewish perspective of the of the New Testament, um, and, and I just can't wait. I, we, we get to hear some of the results of your research and so on. How far along are you, and how soon can we expect? Uh, uh, how, I'm, how actually, I'm actually, we're actually uh, in the process of just editing it right now and polishing it a little bit, because sometimes I've I get a little too verbose, so sometimes we have to clean it up. Oh, so, no, you're, you're kidding. You get verbose. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. that. Uh, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> it does happen. In fact, in fact sometimes uh, I even get tired of hearing myself talk. <laughs> I, I do that far more often than you think. But uh, anyway, let's keep moving because uh, I'm not tired of you yet, and I want to hear what you have to say about some of these questions. Actually, I do want to. Do you remember last week? I want before we get started. There's an important, important segue that I'd really like everybody that's listening to know. Yes. Okay. Yes, indeed. Okay. Now, uh, this next. Tuesday night, because, you know, biblically speaking, start, they start at sunset and go into the next day. So Wednesday is, but Wednesday night is, or Tuesday night is when it begins, is two important events. One is what's called in Hebrew Shavuot, or Pentecost, when the Ten Commandments were given. At Mount Sinai, yes. Yes, exactly. And it is also, for the Christian, it's very important because it is when the exact day, biblically the exact day, when the Holy Spirit was was given in the book of Acts. Now, I know that everybody celebrates on what they call Pentecost Sunday, and we move it around to celebrate it on a certain day, but uh, we know the exact day because it actually says in Acts, it was 50 days, Pentecost, 50 days, after Passover. And we know when the Jews got the Ten Commandments, it was exactly 50 days after Passover at Mount Sinai. So we we know exactly when the real biblical day of uh, Pentecost uh, in the book of Acts occurred. We know when the Ten Commandments were given. In fact, uh, the, uh, it's a tradition that I have not missed in years and years and years to stay up all night the night before the giving of the Ten Commandments, and study with a bunch of people the Ten Commandments. That's so amazing. That really is so fascinating. Give them one more time, Jacob. Uh, give our listeners the benefit of this calendar, this this amazing gift that God gave to the people of Israel, to all of us now. Uh, the, the, the first day of the year uh, does let me say something. Is that Passover? Actually, if you think of it kind of as a, uh, a fiscal year and a regular year, uh-huh. it begins tense. Because, yes, we know that the first of the year is a different day. But in Exodus chapter 12, before the, the day before the evening of Passover, uh-huh. God gives something, and I always like to say, 
to the to the Jews in Egypt that was so important God could not wait till the evening of Passover. And that was what you just said, a calendar. Because free slaves don't need a calendar. They're not in charge of their time and um, now they're going to be a free people and they will have uh, control of their days and their weeks and their months. That's right. That's right. In fact, so after they leave, the, and it, it actually says in Exodus, it gives you the formula, and it says, says, the day after Passover, that'll be the first day you count after Passover, the next day, one. And then you count 49 days. And then the next day is the 50th day. 50th day is in Hebrew, Shavuot. But in Greek, it would be Pentecost, because Pentecost means 50 days. 50. What so, happens at 40 days? days? Isn't there something that happens at 40 days after? No. Uh, okay. Here, yeah, I, I, here's what happens. Of course, Moses, he goes up on the mountain, right? right? And he gets the Ten Commandments. Oh. He, brings them, he brings them down. And he's, he's not pleased with what he sees, and he gets all upset, you know, and, and he breaks the commandments on this golden calf. Right. Well, then he has to go back up for another 40 days. Is that the 40, then, the, the first 40 days is when he breaks the tablets? Uh, no, the first 40 days, uh, yes, 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 yes. When he comes back down and breaks them, yes. And then he has to go back up, and he comes back down, and then when you go back up, and then God gives the second set of commandments. And when the second set of commandments are given, that's what's called Yom Kippur or, or Day of Atonement. So that's the sequence. So 80 days. Oh, I get it now. Okay, let me make sure our listeners get it as well. So you have Passover. Uh, I guess technically Passover is the last day of the year. Uh, no, Passover. If the next says day is the first day. Yeah, no, no. So Passover, you can look in uh, Exodus chapter 12, uh -huh. and God says, this will be the first day of your year. Oh, okay. And so that starts the day, but that's not, but that, that's like a fiscal uh -huh. first day of your year. And so then the day after Passover, it tells them count 50 days. Count it for yourself. Uh -huh. Now we've got the date of Passover. We do not have the date of Pentecost. So that way, by having to always attach when the Ten Commandments are given or the Holy Spirit arrived you know, in the Book of Acts, uh -huh. you can separate it from Passover because you have to use Passover to count from. That's why the date is not given for Pentecost. You have to keep these things associated. Well, that's what I was trying to communicate here, but I'm, I'm afraid I'm messing it up. You've got Passover, then 40 days later is Sabaoth. Is that, is that right? And then 50 uh, days later is Pentecost. No, no. Right. 50 days. No, no, no. Uh, let's walk that real quick. Okay, so when they leave Passover, I'm sorry, when they leave uh, Egypt at Passover, the next day, they start counting number one. And from that day, they count 50 days. And it actually says 50 in Exodus. Okay. And so on the 50th day, uh, that's when they were, uh, Moses, uh, he, he well, he goes up. He gets. He spends forty days, and on that day, he comes back down exactly on fifty days with the first set of ten commandments. All right. Now, that means that now, 
50 days, if he spent 40 days up on the mountain, that means they got from Egypt to the Mount Sinai in 10 days, right? Oh, that's approximately correct. Okay, and then he went up on the mountain. He's with uh-huh. with God 40 days. He receives the Ten Commandments. He comes back down on the day 50, and they, he presents them the Ten Commandments, but they, are worship, they have made the golden calf. And so he breaks the first set of uh, yeah. the Ten Commandments. And then he goes back up on the mountain, right? Another 40 days? That is correct. All right. And then he and goes back down after 90 days. In other words, 50. No, he goes back up for 40. And a real Timothy reading will read like this. Uh-huh. So after he breaks it, he goes up. He asks God, hey, will you forgive them or forgive them all that business? And then so he spends 40 days. He comes back down, and then he goes back up. So after the golden calf, you've got actually 40 plus 40, 80. And if you look on the Jewish calendar, that's exactly the day when he brings back down the second set of Ten Commandments. That's on Yom Kippur, which is the Atonement. Which has to do with forgiveness and, and restoration to that's right. spiritual and, and that And in the, much of the uh, Jewish world, this is going to seem like a, a very unusual thing to say, but in a very real sense, uh, the sin of the golden calf was in a sense kind of a blessing, because all the gods of the other people were were merciless, they were harmful, they hurt people, they they did not forgive. But when God gave the second set of commandments, he he was merciful and he forgave because everybody at Mount Sinai had repented. So, what they learned through the sin of the golden calf is that this Israeli God, this Jewish God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he was different. He was merciful. He forgave because he was the real God. So he forgave if you repented. So if it hadn't been for this tragedy of the golden calf, you would never have learned in the quote-unquote Old Testament that a quality of God is mercy and forgiving. Mm, what a beautiful picture of uh, restoration of forgiveness and how uh, how we learn. Uh, th- this would be called, uh, I guess, special revelation because it involves God stepping into uh, history, into time and space and acting and speaking and revealing something about himself that uh, in a very special way, a direct way to the people of Israel. There are a couple of things about that story that you're telling that I, I want you to expand upon when we come back from our first uh, break. Uh, one has to do with uh, Jesus in the New Testament. Uh, we read about uh, these. He was fasting for 40 days, and then uh, he comes back and he is tempted by the enemy to uh, turn a stone into bread and eat the bread. And I want you to talk about that in light of what we just spoke of. Uh, what does that say about the temptations of Jesus? And then uh, there's something else that, uh, what was it? I wanted to ask you. Uh, about it. Maybe it'll come into my brain in a little bit, but let me ask a couple of questions just before we go to our break, Jacob, and get folks, uh, maybe some folks would like to join us and we could ask some questions here they could respond to. Um, I'm going to ask a couple of questions from the Psalms, uh, Psalm 78. During the desert wanderings, when the people of Israel were wandering in the desert, how did God guide them? How did God guide them as to when 
when they were to pick up, break camp, and move on to a different place, and when they were to stop and make camp, and uh, where they were to go. How did God guide the people of Israel during their desert wanderings for 40 years? That's found in uh, Psalm 78, verse 14. Of course, it's found in Exodus uh, as well, but uh, in Psalm 78, 14, it tells us, it recounts, how God guided the people of Israel in the wilderness. Another question, what special bread did God serve the people of Israel during their desert wanderings? What special bread? That's found also in Psalm 78, verses 23 through 25. And then I'll just throw in the other, uh, another course of their meal. What meat, what kind of meat was blown by the wind into the Israelite desert camp? and provided meat for them during their desert wanderings as well. You'll find both of those answers, all of those three answers, actually, in Psalm 78. So if you'd like to call in and give an answer, you can do that, 340-9585. I should also get the questions in Chronicles, right, Jacob? I think that would behoove us both. Okay. In a battle with the Philistines, in the battle with the Philistines, which king of Israel died along with his three sons on Mount Gilbo. In a battle with the Philistines, which king of Israel died along with three, his three sons, all three of his sons? That, that was such a sad thing. And actually David wrote a, uh, one of the, wrote a eulogy for the, the death of Saul, the first king of Israel, and his sons. Okay, what, uh, which king of Israel uh, was the, the king that was killed? And then second, let me, let me get another question here. Let's talk about when David tried to move the Ark of the Covenant from Kiriath-Jerim. He tried to move it to Jerusalem, which had become the capital of the nation, his uh, main city. And his first attempt to move the Ark of the Covenant was uh, an embarrassing failure for David, who died in that attempt to move the Ark of the Covenant back to uh, to Jerusalem. In that first attempt, who died and why did they die? You can find that in First Chronicles chapter 13. And then I want to ask you this question. What was the Ark of the Covenant? What well, you know, we're talking about David moving the Ark of the Covenant back into the city, uh, back to Jerusalem. Can you call us and tell us what was the Ark of the Covenant? Give us a call so you can answer any of these questions. The phone number is 340-9585. Jacob and I will be back right after these brief messages. Don't go away. and Give us a call if you'd like during the break, and we'll take your call first time in our next segment. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his 
staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. If you lease office, retail, or warehouse space for your business, the last thing you want to do is overpay the landlord. But it happens every day. Hi, I'm Scott McMurray and president of Bottom Line Realty Advisors. We work with business people who want an effective strategy for their next real estate decision. Whether leasing or buying, it affects your bottom line. Your landlord has representation, and you should too. Even if you're a good tenant with no plans to move at all, you're the most vulnerable to getting a really bad deal. We only represent our clients, never landlords, so we have no conflict of interest. We stay on your side. Call me, Scott McMurrian, at 210-535-7800, and we'll negotiate from a position of strength. BottomLineRealtyAdvisors.com Bottom Line Realty Advisors We get the landlord off your bottom line The news can be unsettling, especially when what's good is called bad. A president enforces the rules and is labeled a bigot. He donates his paycheck amidst criticism. A vice president protects his marriage and is accused of discrimination. It starts to mess with your head. Straighten out the mixed messages by listening to The Word, where what's good is really good. Don't settle for less. AM 630, The Word. Join Barry Bass every weekday morning for the KSLR Morning Ministries, including Through the Bible, Renewing Your Mind, Truth for Life, and Focus on the Family. Weekdays from 6 to 10 on AM 630 KSLR and KSLR.com. Is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Let the waters rise. A pretty good theme for this evening here on this Memorial Day weekend. And folks, I hope you have taken time and will take time tomorrow on Memorial Day to uh, thank God uh, for those who have been willing to stand in the gap, literally, physically, for our nation's uh, freedom, for the liberties we enjoy. And uh, all through our existence as a nation, there have been men and women, men and women willing to stand in the gap to, to um, in fact resist uh, evil, resist those who would attack our nation, and uh, preserve our freedoms uh, as a nation. We need to honor them and and think of them, remember them, and uh, thank God that there are those who d- were willing to make that sacrifice, and also. Uh, are still willing. Uh, one of our wonderful privileges in ministry here in South Texas, uh, among the different opportunities, the doors that God has opened to us in ministry over the decades here in San Antonio has been now uh, the last 10 years we've been able to help uh, take the message of redemption, of, of, of how a person can enjoy a, a secure um, confident, secure relationship with the Creator, with God Himself, 
through the redemptive plan of God that's revealed here in the Bible. We uh, teach that. We te- open the Bible and teach to basic trainees from all across the United States, young men and women, young American uh, boys and girls who, <laughs> I say boys and girls, are young men from 19 to 25, generally speaking. There are some a little bit older. But uh, in that range, and we get to share with them and minister to their spiritual needs as they go through basic training at Lackland Air Force Base. And what a thrill, what a privilege it is to meet them. I, you would love the opportunity, folks, to come and see on a Sunday morning uh, hundreds and hundreds, uh, uh, upward 1,500 to 2,000 every Sunday morning coming to worship God, coming to open their Bibles, to study the Bible, to learn about God. Uh, so many uh, begin their spiritual journey with the Lord right here in San Antonio uh, each and every weekend. Uh, over 100 young men and women commit their lives to Christ and begin their journey, their spiritual journey with Him. And others who are already believers uh, are, are built up in their faith. We get them for nine Sundays. We get to build them and uh, win, build, and send. You know, uh, introduce them to Christ, build them, and make them strong in their faith, and equip them to carry this good news around the uh, globe as the United States Air Force and and God send them around the world uh, subsequently. So it's a tremendous thing we get to do, and I hope that you'll pray for our men and women in uniform these days. Uh, I know the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, now called Crew here in the United States. Uh, Dr. Bill Bright used to talk so much about how, oh, he used to say things like, no one has a right to hear the gospel two times till everybody's at least heard it once. <laughs> he had a passion and a vision for taking the message around the world. And also, uh, particularly, he had a, a passion for the men and women in uniform, uh, that they are the ones who put their lives in danger, who are willing to stand uh, between us and the enemies of freedom, the en- enemies of uh, our nation, the enemies, uh, well, tyrants and, and uh, others uh, uh, around the world through these decades of our existence as a country, they're willing to fight. They're willing to take that place. And many have given, many do give their lives uh, in sacrifice for our nation. And uh, Dr. Bright used to talk about how uh, before all others as a priority, our men and women in uniform should have that privilege of hearing the message of the gospel and having it explained and having the opportunity to grow strong uh, in the Lord as they, as they um, live that life of danger uh, on our behalf. So it's a, it's a great day for us and for all the men and women in uniform here in uh, Military City, USA, San Antonio, Texas, the Alamo City. Uh, we honor those who uh, have given their lives, who were to purchase our freedom. And we honor those who are still willing to do that, even today. Uh, you men and women who serve our our nation, we honor you today. Thank you. Uh, now let's go back to our theme. Jacob is still with me. I I think you are right, Jacob. You're hanging in there. I, I, I am right behind you, picking up, if you're pardon the pun, the breadcrumbs. Right. <laughs> right. We did have that question out there. Who? Uh, what was the special bread that God gave to the people of Israel during their desert wanderings? And uh, we've got some questions out there for you, folks. If you've heard them. Uh, earlier in a battle with the Philistines, which king of Israel died along with his three sons on Mount Gilbo? And then we had another question. The first attempt that David uh, made to move the Ark of the Covenant from kiriath Jerem into Jerusalem, his capital city, was an embarrassing failure for David. Who, who died in that first attempt to move the Ark of the Covenant? Who died? And why did they die? Um, 
then um, what is the Ark of the Covenant? You know, we're talking about David moving the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem from Kiriath-Jerim. What is, what was the Ark of the Covenant? That's another question we have for you that you can answer for us. And if you'd like to give us a call, 340-9585. That's the phone number. And we do have some uh, tickets. We have some Rose Cleaners tickets. We got some tickets we can give to you. We'll give a couple of tickets to each of our winners uh, to uh, Splashtown, USA. Now, it's, it's not open yet. But we're taking names and addresses, and we'll send a couple of tickets so that when uh, Splashtown opens this summer, you'll have the chance to take uh, yourself and a friend or maybe uh, some kiddos in the family or maybe the whole family, and we'll cut your expense there by a couple of tickets at least. So if you'd like Do to- we have the restaurant tickets yet or no? <laughs> I know, no, we don't. But I'm going to take you to the restaurant at my own expense one of these times just to <laughs> – just to uh, get you off my back about the, those restaurant tickets. we got to get the uh, – either that or I'm going to have to get them back. I'm just going to have to go and talk to them. All right. Hey, you know, I want to say – yeah, I want to say real quick. I may say, do you have a call already or – We do, but the, uh, go ahead and say real quickly, you said. Okay, so, so the only thing I really wanted to reiterate is for, you know, for the Jews, this coming starting Tuesday night, Wednesday is the day the Ten Commandments are given, but a New Testament for the Christian listener – that is the actual historical biblical day that the Holy Spirit is said to have arrived in the Book of Acts. So at least give it at least one thought this weekend. Uh, I'm not this weekend, but on on Wednesday. Uh-huh. Exactly so, right. And I tell you, there are some great things if we, as we move on. Really, I'd love to get to share a little bit if we can in the Book of Chronicles tonight. All right, let's go to our first caller for the evening, though. Well, you know, he's, oh, the, there he is. I've got him. Let's go and talk with Franklin. Franklin, you're on the air. Thank you for joining us tonight on this uh, rainy but a very Franklin? delightful uh, Memorial Day weekend. Hey, Sophie. Good to Jacob. Talk. Uh, it is so nice to hear you again, Sophie. Uh, you, you were off for uh, a while there. And, uh, well, Mr. Dollar, all I've got to say is I'm just blessed by hearing you again. Thank you. That's but, so nice. Oh, I wanted to answer one of your questions. Yes, sir. Uh, the uh, the Israelites were led by in the day by uh, a whirlwind and by night by a pillar of fire. All right. Now, we don't normally say a whirlwind, but I think uh, that is the spirit of the idea. But let, what is typically, it's it's not known by a whirlwind, but by what? Let me, let me, I'm going to press you a little bit here. A fire by okay, night, a uh, pillar of fire. A cloud. A cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. That's more of the traditional answer, but a uh, uh, whirlwind may have been exactly what it was like. We've seen, I, I always think. Well, I, I, I always figured that if you had a, ta- uh, a pillar of fire, you'd want to have something that was going from the ground to heaven, and that would be a whirlwind, right? That makes sense. Certainly does. <laughs> I wonder if that went up from the um, from the um, I'm, I'm sorry I'm, uh, the what is it where the the, the 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 where the actual sacrifices were made and the 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 fire was constant was always kept uh, glowing. I wonder. I've always kind of wondered if that smoke was going up uh, that pillar of fire what, was it going up from the altar from the uh, sacrifices? Uh, is that the Whoa. imagery? 
Well, wasn't it uh, when when they uh, when they finally came into the Holy Land and they they founded the temple the first time? Wasn't the uh, the light that was supposed to be the fire that was supposed to be kept burning all the time there uh, lit originally by a portion of that pillar of fire? Yes, it was. It was never to go out, and uh, they never allowed it to go out, of course. And then it seems like, yes, you're exactly right. The altar there at the temple was lit from that altar that had been at, with the tabernacle all those 40 years. Uh, I guess, yeah. Uh, is that the image, right imagery that we should have in our minds, Jacob, that the, the flame or the, the, the light by, you know, what is it, the fire by night and the cloud by day, was yeah. emanating yeah. from the altar? Yeah, that's uh, and that's that's good. Now, if I can take one more step, as the smoke goes up from the altar, if you can make the analogy, uh, it that is actually uh, remember they didn't have the internet, so a lot of group of people around, so they could see this go up, which was the idea of uh, a prayer or the incense even going up, and so the animal is the animal part of a human being. It's symbolic for that transaction. Uh-huh. So the animal is burnt up, but something goes up. So it's the, uh, you might say, spiritual or the soul of the person. Because, you know, by standing around, they had, they had to have a visual aid they could see right. at a distance since the Internet wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Now, see, that's the thing uh, that amazes me is that how did they live without the Internet? I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they did have the Internet. It was God speaking to the prophets. There you go. Exactly right. Well, there was uh, there was some communication there going on, and there was some vital information being shared, no doubt oh, yeah. about it. <laughs> exactly right, Franklin. That's very, very good. Well, listen, uh, what are you, you got any plans for Memorial Day, uh, the weekend at all? Are you, you and the family? Yes, I, I'm going to honor all my dead. How about that? You, in your family, and, do you uh, have people who uh, served and were killed? Uh, oh, yes. Uh, I had people uh, that, that served. And, uh, well, knowing that, well, knowing I can get to that was killed, actually his, uh, one of my cousins was killed in the Norman invasion. He was a, uh, a tank operator and, and it was a direct hit on the tank and he was killed. He was the last uh, male on my mother's side uh, to carry the name. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, he's buried in France someplace. Well, we honor so him I, and all of those. That's one I can't, but I can go to my dad, who went all the way through North Africa and uh, was in a foxhole. Uh, he, he was in the Army Air Corps, and uh, his foxhole took a direct hit uh, from the Germans, and it killed everyone below him. There were two other people below him, blew him free, and he was uh, uh, sent back to the states uh, because he had uh, shell shock uh, from the, the the impact of the uh, of the of the bomb, and uh, he was eventually uh, mustered out, medicaled out uh, because of that. And my mom uh, was the uh, aide to the general. She was a master sergeant. Uh, she couldn't get rank because uh, there were so many officers and all on the base. The TO was. There was no place for anybody to advance, but it didn't matter. But she, uh, in Norton Air Force Base, that's where they uh, originally, uh, her name was Lucille uh, Cram. 
and her uh, the, uh, Norton Air Force Base is where they uh, first uh, developed the jet engines. And so many, so many boys died, uh, test pilots, trying to fly those engines. And she had a, a lovely voice, and she sang at all the funerals. Mm. Well, we so. honor them as well. What a proud, wonderful heritage and legacy you have, Franklin. Thank you for reminding me. I'm, I'm a lucky man. <laughs> God, God has been very good to me. Well, you are kind to share that goodness with us. That's helps us remember now there are real men and women, real people, real lives, real families affected uh, by these who uh, who gave, who sacrificed, who gave themselves. Oh, yes. What an oh, yes. amazing... Uh, and it, it goes on. It, 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 it never stops. Uh, it seems like we've had war. Yeah. As long as we've had people ever since we got kicked out of the garden. Yeah. Well, yeah. it, it, well. Anyway, God bless you, and 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 may His blessings be on your work always. I, I'm so delighted to be able to listen to you again. You're so. I, I I cherish the memories of, of the, your 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 yearly walk through the Bible, uh, when we cover each each area, and that was just so nice. Uh, well, who knows? Uh, maybe maybe we'll return to that promise. <laughs> well, that's okay. <laughs> you Lord know, God moves us. Like His will be done. You Amen. know. Amen. Okay. Thank you for um, calling in. Can we? Uh, is there anyone in your family you. that could use a couple of tickets to Splashtown this summer? Uh, you got any grain? No, grain not not there? not really. Everybody's dead. Oh, well, you <laughs> so, don't hesitate to call us back though, if they, if if, uh, if you can. But but you give it to you give it to somebody. Pass it on. I will give it I to somebody that really needs it. Okay. We'll do, Franklin. Thank you. All right. You betcha. We uh, often do that at the end of a summer. We have people who say, give give my prize to someone else. And uh, we go down to the inner urban, the inner city ministry of our uh, of our city, San Antonio. And we know, have a wonderful ministry, some great ministry friends who, who are down there helping and working uh, uh, in the urban, inner urban circle of San Antonio. And they have young men and women who... Uh, you know, maybe couldn't get to Splashtown or have that opportunity, or moms and dads or families, and we give those tickets to them at the end, uh, toward the end of the summer, so that they can still go and have a good time. So uh, we'll do that just for uh, Franklin, and thank you uh, again for calling in with that reminder of how special the uh, Memorial Day weekend is for us here in South Texas in uh, Military City, USA. Well, Jacob, I want you to take a moment, too, to... Uh, talk a little bit. You you told me something last week that I my 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 head just almost exploded when I was listening to you. Uh, we were we were had finished uh, we were finishing with the Book of Acts and we were talking about the the time the 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 uh, when the Holy Spirit uh, the, the time uh, we call it the, the the coming of the Holy Spirit, but it really isn't like the Holy Spirit had never been to planet Earth before. The, <laughs> he's everywhere present at all times, but it was when God began to deal with with his people, there was a new arrangement, a new relationship between the Holy Spirit, we understand, uh, uh, from the New Testament at least, that, that the Holy Spirit came comes now. Everyone who comes into that relationship with God, who trusts uh, in the Lord and his mercy and his redemptive plan, uh, and they begin to, to journey by faith with the Lord in that in that in that plan right? by trusting in, in Messiah, then they the Spirit of God now comes to each believer in a permanent way.
just there for a little while or for a specific task, but the Holy Spirit comes now to journey with us uh, to escort us as his children to to glory. And he'll never leave us behind. He'll go through every spiritual battle with us. He'll never leave us uh, behind. And he'll always come back and take us. And he's going to get us to glory with with certainty, with assurance. And uh, that's this new role of the Holy Spirit. But now you told me something that when you started working on that calendar, Jacob, we had the, the 40 days and the 50 days of Pentecost. And then... You kind of blew my mind because we were talking a little bit about uh, Jesus and his time of tempting that we read about in John chapter 4, and I believe in Luke as well. Uh, He had been 40 days in the wilderness uh, fasting, and he was very hungry. And then uh, the enemy, Satan, comes to tempt him, and he says, if you're the Son of God, uh, turn that stone into bread. And we were talking a little bit about the temptations. There are three different temptations that are mentioned there. And there was such a unique take and understanding that you gained from reading that that I I just I I was just eager for you to share a bit of it uh, with our listeners. If you can make sense of it to them, as you did to me, Uh, it it just was such a blessing to hear it. I'm still not totally I haven't totally thought it through, and and uh, but it's very interesting that you think that that took place, the temptations of Jesus took place on Yom Kippur, on or about Yom Kippur. It's the only festival day that God gave to the people of Israel in which they were called upon to fast. That's the only one, and the other, all of the other festival days, interestingly enough, were days of feasting and celebration. But the Yom Kippur is a solemn occasion. Uh, and it is a day that they were called upon to fast. And Jesus, of course, here is fasting. And then he, the enemy comes, Satan comes. And I've always thought of the temptation, the first temptation mentioned there, is to turn the stone into bread. But you said, no, the, the actual temptation was to eat the bread and, and therefore disobey. In other words, disobey the command to to fast and put himself above the commands of God. As as the son of God, he had every right to turn the stone into bread or eat the bread if he wanted to. He he had every right to do that as in his in his person in his deity. But as the Messiah, he he, he had come to live under the yoke of faith and trust and obedience, submission to the Father, and the enemy was trying to tempt him to eat, go ahead and eat. Uh, show yourself you're you're above the word. You're you you don't have to. Uh, in in, in uh, I, I wish you could. Could you take it from there and kind of share a little more of the insights you told me about uh, the temptation experience there? I don't think the three temptations are three isolated, separate temptations. I think they're. Uh, picture it like on a stage, two guys having a conversation. One guy saying, hey, turn these stones to bed. Now, a lot of people take it that he could do a magic trick, make a stone into a loaf of bread. Well, why would it have to be the stone? Why couldn't he just make a loaf of bread of beer? Because stones in ancient Hebrew, has a, it's a meaning of being a temptation or even a sin. The best way to think of it is if you walk on a physical path, you might stumble on a stone and you will trip and fall. But in your spiritual path, 
you will stumble on a stone or, quote-unquote, a temptation, which will make you stumble on your spiritual walk, you might say. Okay. So, and so, it's with that idea now, that, and there's several places, like in Proverbs, other places where stone is clearly referred to as being a temptation or an evil inclination, something. So, but, but by, so, Satan is not just, I don't believe, he's just come on saying, hey, just do something that I tell you to do, and that's enough. I think it has to be a sin, and everybody accepts the idea that, uh, especially in the Christian world, that Jesus did not sin, so he obeyed the commandments. But it's very important in the four corners of that story to tell us that, uh, um, that he was fasting. And the reason that's important, there's only one biblical day, only one biblical day, that a Jew must fast, or anybody, if they'd like to participate, and that's on Yom Kippur. Every other fasting event is a personal choice, personal decision, but you can eat or not eat. That's your personal decision, but the only time it would be a sin is on that day. So therefore, and then we complete Mm-hmm. The Day of Atonement, exactly so. So, and and you compare that back to what took place in Exodus, and exactly when did God uh, show that to everybody in Mount Sinai that He had mercifully accepted the repentance? He gave them the second set of commandments. So, I'd like to suggest that I think the story is saying, look, on Yom Kippur, uh, Jesus was being said, okay, look. You are the Ten Commandments. You are the Word, as it says in John 1.1. 1, 1. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it was sort of like, uh, by analogy, God was giving, or Jesus was the commandments, where he had forgiven the world again and was re-giving the commandments in flesh. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, in the New Testament, John 1.14, it says, The Word became flesh. What Word? The word is not Greek, it's not Logos, it's the Torah. The, the, the Torah. Uh, the, uh-huh. So it says he became flesh. So if you can picture this, that he's, he's not eating on that day, because that's the one day that it would be a sin. So Satan is trying to get him to do a sin, and everybody accepts the idea, they say, that he did not sin, he obeyed the commandments. So... When he came down, he came down with as the commandments. You might tell you if you could work with me on that. Okay. And so when he comes, when he comes down, he is the word of God, the commandments. So, and then the second one comes along, and they're not, and he's not just trying to get him to do something. I think it's a continual conversation. Picture like on a movie or a stage. These two people are to. Jesus and Satan are talking, and he says, well, okay, I got you, I got you, let's, well, how about if I take you to the temple, look, we go to the temple, and by the way, in Greek, pinnacle does not mean something on top or way up high, quite the contrary, and I went back, checked this out after our conversation, and it does say, it says, in the wing, now, why would they translate it as pinnacle? Because it's a high place. But why, and from the Greek, and anybody can Google and say, what does pinnacle mean in Greek? And they'll say, on the wing, in the wing. The reason it's a wing is because if you picture the temple, the temple. Uh, 
Yeah, you walk down a hall, so like a wing, and what is at the back of the wing? Well, the Holy of Holies. So, and see, so first he takes them to the second temptation, Jerusalem. Then the Holy of Holies. Then he go, uh, and then he quotes a psalm to him, and he says, Hey, look, I'll bear you up. But what he's suggesting is, I'm doing what God told me to do. But the real heart of the because question is... Because Satan was an angel... And he and he quoted the verse that says the angels won't will bear you up. They will not allow you to even stub your toe That's on, on the stone, which is interesting. But, but and so here, yeah, here is the real question, though: Why was it so important for Satan to get Jesus to eat? That's uh, why of that. Why eat? He recognized, he recognized Jesus was hungry, but why did he want to eat? Well, can you think of anybody else? Got perhaps kicked out of the Garden of Eden for eating. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think so, I remember two people. Uh, so that's the idea. So and so it's a conversation going back and forth. Well, and let, then me, let me jump in real quickly with a little Christianese. Uh, see, you speak Hebrew and Jewish. I speak Christianese here. It, it, just okay, so our okay. listeners are following, it, the temptation there is to. Here is the, the incarnate word, the eternal son of God taking on flesh. He has every right to turn a stone into bread if he wanted to. He created that stone. And then he's being tempted, though, to eat on Yom Kippur because he must, to, to be our redeemer, the Messiah, he must stay under the yoke of obedience and dependence and trust and submission to the Father. Uh, not as God, he doesn't. He's above the, the law in that sense because he is the word. But the, and Satan is tempting him. He said, go ahead, uh, you can do it. And the second temptation is not a second temptation. It's like saying, Satan's going, saying to him, go ahead, you can do it. We'll come back in just a moment, folks. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back. This is our final segment. If you'd like to call and be a part of the program, 340-9585-340. 9585 but let's get back quickly if we can to Jacob and uh, this uh, telling this story we we've in the book of chronicles where we've been talking about you know people of Israel come out of Egypt they go to Mount Sinai uh they receive the first set of uh, uh uh the laws of God are presented to them the stone tablets uh then after Moses has been up on the mountain 40 days and then they um, they build the uh, the uh, altar, the um, golden calf. Uh, again, uh, uh, let me see. Moses comes down with the first set. He breaks that first set, goes back up on the mountain another 40 days, and comes down with another set, which means that God is forgiving. God is going to forgive you and restore you. Uh, and that becomes Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement in the Jewish calendar. And then we've jumped from that over into the New Testament where uh, Jacob was just telling me, I was getting him to tell you something he shared with me. 
uh, he, he's writing this book and he's giving us the benefit of the insight of a, of a Jewish person reading the New Testament with that Hebrew perspective, that background, tradition, history, language, and say, what do I hear? When I read this story, this is what I see. This is what comes to my mind. And he's just opening up this, this experience of the temptations of Jesus following his baptism the uh, the beginning of the starting of his public ministry, the first thing Jesus does, it, it, he has a time of fasting and spiritual preparation. And Jacob has traced that calendar-wise to Yom Kippur, that this is Jesus on this day when they're commanded to fast. Uh, here is Jesus, the Son of God. He he really is not underneath as, as the Son of God. He's not underneath God's commands. He is above. Uh, the command he he can he can eat turn the stone into bread and eat any time he wants as God's son, but to be our redeemer to be the Messiah, he has to stay under the yoke of faith and trust and obedience and submission to the Father and the enemy well, Satan is trying him to do that. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. So so actually, that's what you're just quoting is actually Satan's third. So called, so called third temptation. Uh-huh. He takes him on the holy mountain. Technically, that would be Mount Sinai. Sinai. So here's what's going on. Now, why does he take him to the mountain? What is Jesus' defense every time or response to saying this? Well, it is written. It is written. It is so he takes him above where it was written. So he can't use it. So Satan's thinking, like, well, you can't use that defense again because now you're above where it's written. And then Jesus again says, but it's written. Now, why would he say that? Because he's saying, I am the Word, and even if I'm above it, it's still written because I am the Word. I am the Torah, you might say, in flesh. So therefore, God's Word is eternal. And even though it was given to the people on Mount Sinai, it was prior to. Yes. And 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 uh when you finished telling me that story, I gave that little uh, gesture that's coming popular now with my head exploding. I went, poof, I don't know. Wow, that's amazing. That's a that's a that's an incredible vision of that of that picture we have in the New Testament of Jesus uh, fasting there as he inaugurates his ministry and so on. And a a really interesting perspective of the temptation uh, the temptations of Jesus. I, 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 it's so it's so fascinating to me that that perspective. Hey, listen, may I, uh, with your consent, may I switch? Because remember, we we're going to talk yes. about a couple things even in the beginning of Chronicles. But there's a couple things because you and I have talked about before about because uh, back in Genesis and it says uh, Abraham took a second wife. And I and I said it was Keturah. Yes. And and you said, well, do we have anything that proves that? Well, we do in Chronicles. Now you you said it was. See, let me see now. Uh, who, who'd you say, Abraham or Moses took a second? Abraham. Wife? Abraham took a second wife. Yes, and that second wife was Keturah, mm-hmm. and that second wife was uh, that mm-hmm. that was the that was the was that Ishmael's mother? Yes. Now here's how it goes. Okay. Uh, yeah, that she, her name, I'm going to show you something, and you can look it up while we're talking, in Chronicles 132, it says, Keturah, the concubine. But what it says is, back in Genesis 25.1, it says he took a second wife. Now, what this is about, and you compare the children, it's the same children, but this is the point. Hagar, 
was her name before while she was still basically a pagan. As you know, in the Bible, people's name changes to reflect who and what they are. So, Hagar, in Hebrew, the word ha is the, ga is stranger. Like, you know, remember, Moses says, hey, Gershom, I'm a stranger in a strange land. So, he says, so her name is Hagar, the stranger, until she accepted the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and she became a, a good person, and she wasn't a pagan anymore, and her name became Keturah, because Keturah means basically loosely that her deeds are like incense now. Now, if you look at Chronicles 1, uh, 32, you'll see it says Keturah. Yes. You see that? The sons of Keturah, Abraham's concubine, were Zimri. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Now, flip over real quick and look at the comparison in Genesis 25.1, and it'll start fitting together how we know that for sure that Keturah was basically Hagar that became the second wife. Of Abraham. Uh, uh, You said Genesis 25, right? 25.1, yes. Abraham married another wife whose name was Keturah. She gave birth to Zimram. Now, we just learned that's his wife, Keturah. So who is Keturah? In Chronicles, it's explained that that was his concubine, and her name was Hagar before she became like Abram, became Abraham, Jacob became uh, Israel, and Hagar, Hagar became Keturah. I had never put those those two passages together. Does that mean that even after, because uh, we see in the in the Genesis account. Doesn't uh, isn't Abraham called upon to send Hagar away because his uh, Sarah wants to make sure that her son um, Isaac is going to be the uh, the the heir to Abraham and doesn't she have him send Hagar away? We get a picture of, of her leaving with Ishmael, but would yeah. this mean that they stayed with him through those years? Or no, that they came- it absolutely does. When she got sent out into the desert, if you read the passages there, the most interesting passages, because she goes out in the desert and she, and they're dying, you know, they have a bottle, and the bottle of water ended exactly where they're supposed to be. That's the reason it's only about a bottle of water. And she put, as I said, the lad, the boy, uh, a little ways away, and she went and says a bow shot away, so she couldn't hear the baby dying. Ishmael. Right. And God appears and he says, Hey, hey, Hagar, what's up with you? I hear the child crying, but what's wrong with you? Because her selfishness as not being a good believer in God was that she's more concerned about herself than her dying child. So God actually says, No, I hear the child crying, but it bothers you. Or anybody today say, Well, if I hurt her too bad to listen to her child die. Well, that's not the point. A good Jew, a good Christian, a good believer of, uh, in God uh-huh. would be there with the child. They don't abandon them when they're dying because it hurts them too bad to see it. They take care of their children. Well, when she had made that transition, she became not Hagar, but Keturah. All right. And so, and, and the, the idea then is that she continued to travel with Abraham and their family? Actually, you will find it again when Abraham dies. Uh-huh. It, you'll find, remember, because Ishmael was with his mama. Yes. But when Abraham dies, you'll find the book called Truthy Verse and says, 
who buried him, Ishmael, and the son. You know the other son's name? Isaac. Isaac. So they're there together at the burial. So they are together. And then it says he took another wife. Keturah, because the woman had made the transition from being a a pagan that thought, Mm -hmm. you don't care about children, children dying doesn't bother as long as it doesn't hurt you. So she had made the transition. So she's back and actually says, Ishmael and Isaac were there. And they buried Abraham. I tell you, I I never had in all the years of reading those different passages, I had never put them together to, uh, I remember the first time you ever told me that Abraham's second wife, Keturah, was Hagar. I, I thought, are you sure? <laughs> really? Can you show me that in the Bible? And I remember when you showed me that, I thought, oh, that's amazing. I, I We don't put, make those connections, Jacob. That's, um, well, you know. <laughs> you know, I've got a lot of time on hands. You put these things, but and I, I can't take credit for it because I. Uh, and I, I'll honestly, so if somebody hadn't taught me and told me the stuff, I wouldn't know. Right, but th- that's so, that's why we value so much that perspective because you guys <laughs> and to put it th- have been studying these things for literally centuries. You know, millennia actually, and uh, it is so fascinating to get that perspective. It really helps the. Uh, the scriptures, Old and New Testaments, to come alive to us and helps us to understand them better. Thank you very much. Well, we've got another caller. Would you like to take a moment? Or? Sure, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, let's let's get our, I think this is our, oh, is he still there? Yeah, there he's there. Our friend Harold is on. Hello. Harold, how are you this evening? Oh, I'm hanging in there. Good for you. I'm glad to hear from you. Yeah. You, you doing I was watching uh, the Superman special? shows back to back. Okay, Superman shows. Yeah, and it's the last one I was watching. The guy looked just like me. Oh, no, you know what's going on, Sobe? You know, I'm gonna take credit for this. You know, it used to, you know in my walk in the Lord and throughout religion, checking out stuff and and everything. You know, I had these issues of people. Oh, now he thinks he's Jewish. He converted to Judaism. <laughs> oh, but he feels like a Christian. He talks like a Christian. Now the biggest problem I have, and it could be all in my head, but uh, no, I don't think it is. It, the, the biggest problem is it don't matter if you're a Christian or you're, you're Jewish or converted to any other religion. It's that you believe in God. Oh, my God, let's don't do that. Something's wrong with him. And anyway, I take credit for all that. And uh, and nobody told me that. And the other thing I'd like to say is, you know, last week we were all happy, hallelujah, and uh, we got word Friday night. It's uh, Diana's, that's my wife's, uh, she had a lifelong friend. To, uh, uh, she passed away in her sleep, uh, I think, Thursday night. Oh, I'm sorry. She was about 60. She had four kids. Well, the, you know, we still call our kids kids. Uh-huh, gotcha. And, you know, they asking me to, speak at the funeral. I, I didn't even speak to my dad's funeral. I was too damn scared. But um, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do, really. Oh, it's but uh, I'll, I'll come up with something, probably, or maybe I won't do anything. I don't know. But the funeral's going to be on Tuesday. And um, anyway, you know what? It's good sometimes, and it's not good other times, and it's bad other times. That's right, Harold. You know? That's the world so, we live in, isn't it? It, it's hell when you believe in God, and people might suspect that you believe in God. And I'm not trying to explain how. I'm not saying God told me. I'm just maybe a happy person, you know? 
Yes, yes. Looking for that light. Maybe I got a light on. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, Sobe Dollar and Jacob, I'll let you go. Thank you, my friend, for calling. Maybe I'll feel better next week, huh? Our, our prayers are with you and the family. Our prayers are with you, Harold. Uh, long, faithful listener, glad to hear from him. And, uh, you know, that's, that is something, Jacob. I was telling uh, some men and women this morning in, in uh, Bible class at, there at Lackland with the uh, trainees that, you know, a lot of people think the Bible is, you know, m- maybe kind of a Pollyannish book. It's all everything. Everybody lives happily ever after. Everything's always beautiful, always good. And it's just not so. Uh the Bible is a picture of real people living in a real world and where, you know, good people suffer just as much as others. We There's no, you know, like I've said many times, a bullet doesn't turn to a marshmallow just because it's headed toward an innocent child. It, it It's still there. And uh, we, as, as, uh, as the people of God, as people who love God and the God of the Scriptures and trust in Him, we still have to suffer oftentimes a great deal. Uh, same things happen to us that happen to people that out that don't have that faith, and uh, it, it sometimes uh, that's that's a, str- a problem for people. But I think it's really to some extent it's our chance to show the truth that that uh, of the true and living God of His grace, His mercy, His power. Uh, he he his He transforms. He takes our tears and turns them into joy. Uh, but. And maybe it's one of our strongest uh, abilities to witness to people about the truth, the, uh, the veracity of the God of the Scriptures is, is that we live through those same difficulties. The same, We lose friends and we lose uh, family. We have illnesses. We have disappointments. And yet we still trust God. It reminds me of uh, Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Uh, it's It's probably one of the great opportunities we have to show forth the goodness of our God. It's, uh, Probably in, in hard times, better than in uh, good times, actually. Um, oh, hey, hey, Harold, what Harold says kind of paints that picture for us. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, listen, I like because it's fine that what you're just saying that we all live our own times and that kind of stuff, you know? Yes. yes. There's a great thing in Chronicles that really supports that, if I may. Really? It's in chapter uh, uh, 20, uh, chapter 20 of Chronicles. All right, I'm looking at it. Okay, so actually, who killed who killed Goliath? David. Yay! Do you I win get tickets? A prize. I win tickets to a splash town. You win a ticket. <laughs> now, were the other giants the relation of Goliath that had to be killed? The answer is yes. And look at and they're, they're Goliath's like wealthy's brothers, perhaps. But look at First uh, Chronicles 20, verse 5, 6, 7, 8. And it, David's relatives killed the other giants one at a time. Look at verse 5. That's right. And so what happened is, everybody knows the story about David killing Goliath. But hey, look at uh, verse 5. There's another guy who's a... He's a uh, a uh, relative of David who kills the relative of Goliath. El- Elhanan, and, son of Jair, uh-huh. killed Lai, right. the brother of Goliath. Of yeah. So as these adversities, David had his, but this is showing it wasn't over. And as you're saying, we all have adversities. That's why I just thought it tied in perfectly, because we all have our own giants. 
I'll be. Oh, my lands. In another battle with the Philistines at Gath, they encountered this huge man with six fingers and so on, uh-huh. who was also yeah. a descendant of the giants, and he yeah. defied and taunted Israel. He was killed by Jonathan, the son of David's brother, Shimeah. In other words, Jonathan was David's nephew, right? So everybody thinks this battle was over when David killed Goliath, but it wasn't. No. These other people, as you were saying, that's why I wanted to grab on it, because you're saying we all have our struggles, et cetera, et cetera. And indeed, everybody has, if I may characterize, they have their giants. Because when you go down through this, even in the, uh, even when it says the man with the six fingers six toes, he was killed by one of uh, David's relatives. Right. And then the other guy, and look at verse 7. It's David's brother, the Jonathan, as you said, the son of David's brother killed him. Then in verse 8, these were descended from the giants in Gath. That's where Goliath is from, Gath. That's where we get Golgotha in the New Testament, of course. And they fell by the hand of David and the hand of his servants or you know, his family. And so, as you were saying, we all have our giants to struggle against. Every generation, right? Every generation has their own. Uh, that's what makes me so excited, part of it, Jacob, to... To work with these young men and women out of like I mean, these are this is the next generation. Uh, they'll, they'll be here long when when I'm well gone and in glory. They'll be here fighting their battles and you know having to trust in God and be faithful to the Lord. Uh, what a what a what a great insight that was from the Book of Chronicles tonight. The, every generation it never it never is over until it's over, right? And I think that is such an interesting question, perhaps when you're on the military basis. Because everybody knows David and Goliath. Yes. But that wasn't the only one. There's, there's, uh, and look in uh, 5 through 8. There's these other giants and these other people we never talk about had to kill people just as big as Goliath. That's exactly right. What a great... Uh, don't worry, that story will be told. I, I'll I'll uh, use that, and I probably won't give you credit for it, but I'm, <laughs> That's okay. I'm definitely going to use that as a great illustration of every... Every generation, we have our battles that we all, we all have to do and uh, be faithful in our moment. Well, this is our moment. This is our time to shine for the Lord. Um, Jacob is doing that. I just can't tell you how much I appreciate these insights about uh, the Scriptures and about knowing God in uh, the life of God. Do you, from the book of Chronicles, now, we've said that this is a selected history, uh, okay, uh, this is a selected history that Ezra writes to to teach the people of Israel who are returning now. They were born in Babylon and they don't know. They don't. Maybe they're not as in touch with their legacy, with their heritage, with heritage, with their identity, with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so Ezra is putting together this special history to remind them who they are and whose they are. And so we're looking at the book of First Chronicles tonight. Let's go to our phone lines again, though quickly and talk with Jerry who is calling in. Uh, Jerry, I'm glad to talk to you on this Memorial uh, Day weekend. Thanks for being a part of the program. Sophie, thank you. And uh, Jacob, thank you as much as well. Thank you both. Uh, one of the, it's been a while. <laughs> Sometimes I get back in touch with you. It takes a while. I'm glad you but, did. Uh, yes, I am too. Uh, I'm glad I caught it tonight. That, that, that interesting story about Keturah caused me some emotional feelings. So there's a redemption in that. There's an amazing redemption. Uh, it touches me to think about that. Oh, great. But uh, my daughter was sitting by here and she, she said, me too. <laughs> so, great. <laughs> um, 
that's that there's a redemption. I mean, it, it wasn't just leaving her to be the, the, the unmarried lady from then and on, but I can see that pattern of God redeeming and, and bringing things together that have been broken up. Oh, I see what you mean, and I really appreciate that an awful lot. That is, a, It's almost like the story of Amos, who's called upon. Is it Amos? No, it's uh, which of the prophets is called upon to go and redeem uh Hosea, Hosea, and Gomer. Yeah, it's almost like that, isn't it, uh, Jerry? I hadn't thought of that. There's something, there's something there that I mean, just when the hair raises on my back and my neck, you know, I yeah. think of and start being teary-eyed. There's something you're telling me, you know. But uh, I, that is redemptive, and I can see that. Sure. It is, and I, 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 I haven't checked it out before, but I can see that pattern. And that especially as you said, Jacob, when when you say that uh, both Ishmael and and uh, and uh, Isaac buried him. There was there was a peace between the two of them. <laughs> it just wasn't that's not the normal thing. Very interesting detail, isn't there. it? Yes, it is an interesting detail. But a couple of things I wanted to mention briefly, <clears throat> and uh, one of them is uh, if you haven't seen it, there's a really wonderful video on YouTube uh, called "This Secret Footage Took My Breath Away." Okay. And it's uh, that's uh, some about people who have actually been to the true Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia, uh, which include Ron Wyatt. They they had been there. He and his sons, uh, uh, oh Larry, uh, I can't think of his name right now. And then also this family, uh, Caldwells, had been there in that area too. And they had even shown the, the split rock and so and so on among yes. the things that they were in that area. Wasn't the other fellow's people? name Blake? Was it Larry Blake? Uh, um, Does it ring a bell to you? No. Uh, uh, oh, for some reason, the name's just not coming to mind right now. That's all right. The one of them is well, well known. He's written books. He's kind of in the uh, Indiana Jones type person yes. as well. Um, and he's spoken in San Antonio in times past. Yes, I've, I've had but, him here in the city and had him speak to men's groups that we've had before. I, oh, I, I mean, he's just an amazing fellow to talk to. It's like talking to Indiana Jones, like you say. <laughs> Just about the same. But although Ron Wyatt would be the one, you're familiar with Ron Wyatt's story at all? Yes, I am. Uh-huh. Oh, that's amazing. That is an amazing story. And uh, so, anyway, uh, but this particular one is called uh, um, "The Secret Footage Took My Breath Away," and it, it was kind of edited primarily by Ms. Caldwell, I guess. But it was really a powerful. It's demonstrable. It's it's undeniable. It's just there, you know. The split rock and, and even their close-up examination of the split rock, the way the water is pressure flaked upward and, and and all of that stuff. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it wasn't part of that too about the there's a, there's a space at the top of Sinai that that is, is glazed, right? There's sort of a black glaze as if fire had. Yes. Uh, yeah. That, yes. That, that sign that Mount Sinai. Yes. And interestingly enough, there is a tree up there. You can see it. There's a tree up there. It could be the burning bush. I don't know. Huh. I haven't really examined it, but, but there's there's a tree that's at the top. There's one <laughs> tree. Uh, Elijah's, I think they call it Elijah's cave, is up there where you can see out over the, uh, you know, maybe when he was escaping from Jezebel. Yes. I don't know uh-huh. for sure, but that's possible too. But they have, they have uh, in some of the, the thorns that they've shown, they have small uh, pillars. Yeah, we're we're on our way out, but uh, go ahead and finish your. Sentence. Oh, and the one other thing, the one thing you, you see that, but one other thing that you want to, just everybody to see is uh, in our hands that uh, the new movie that CBN brought out. I saw it the other night, most of it anyway. Uh, but in our hands, it's about Israel taking over the uh, the. Uh, uh, 
Jerry, and all that. You're going to have to call us back next week, right? <laughs> we'll make an appointment. We want to hear the rest of this story. We've got to take out now for the moment. Jerry Collin. Thank you, Jerry. Really, please do call us next week. Let's continue and finish that story, all right? Folks, you join us again next week as well, along with Jacob. We'll be here, and we'll continue our way through the book of books. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 